Okay, so um, turn to Proverbs 18. <clears throat> and we're going to talk about the power of the tongue, but there's going to be kind of a twist on it. I think we're going to kind of hit some areas that maybe we're not expecting or, or whatever, or that you don't always hear. And in Proverbs 18, verse uh, 21, and we're going to read 19, 20, and 21, but we're going to read them in reverse order because... I mean, I was just reading it today, and I just think the reverse order is, is awesome. But in 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I really like that part, those who love it will eat its fruit, because basically it's saying that whatever you speak, you're going to reap what you sow, mm. right? And uh, so when we speak words, I mean, it's like if you're, if you're somebody that talks trash about your, your workmates all the time, that's going to come back on you. Right? If you're someone that's part of the gossip club and things like that, well, the gossip club's not going to stop just because you've left. Right? They're going to be talking about you next time, right? Mm -hmm. And so, basically, you reap the fruit of what you say. If you're someone that's blessing people all the time with what you say, if you're someone that's, um, that's uh, building people up, then, then people are going to build you up also, right? And then verse uh, 20, it says, With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied, and he will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Again, we all know the gossipers and things, and basically their lives are just drama, right? And it's one turmoil after another, and it's, again, it's the lifestyle that you lead, right? And so um, it's going to come back on you. And then uh, verse 19 a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and contentions are like bars of a citadel. And, uh, you know, have you ever been talking about somebody, and they walk up right as you're talking about them, and they know that you were talking about them, and you know that they know that you were talking about them, right? But at this point, it's too, you can't take it back. I remember there was a time when we owned the cafe and I was talking about this lady and that how she was annoying and she walked up right when I was saying it and, and she knew that I was talking about her and I felt really really bad but what can you do at that point I mean no amount of saying you're sorry is going to fix that right you have done offended that person and there's not going to be any winning them back because now they're offended and they're like uh their their walls have gone up and and they want nothing to do with you right mm -hmm. and i think that we've all experienced situations similar to that you know and stuff and you know the simple solution is don't be talking trash about people right mm -hmm. but it's something that we all do and it's something that we all have to deal with turn to james chapter 3 <clears throat> And, and to me, part of being a Christian and part of living in this world is, you know, the whole thing about Christianity is we're growing in grace day by day, right? We're growing more and more and more into the image of Jesus, and hopefully we're learning more and more and more how to control our tongues rather than to let our tongues control us. And in James 3, verse 2, It says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the body, able to bridle the body as well. Now, we're going to kind of talk about that thing about he is a perfect man. Because you, you think about that and you're like, well, you're saying that if someone's not stumbling in how they speak, that they're a perfect person? It says, verse 3, Now if we put bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct the air entire body as well look at ships also though they are great they are driven by strong winds they're still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires so also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things see how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire and the tongue is a fire the very world of iniquity the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell for every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race but no one can tame the tongue it is a restless evil and full of deadly poison look at this with it we bless our lord and father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of god 
From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, this ought, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. And so the thing about it is, is that uh, your tongue, the Bible says that as a man thinks, so is he. And it says over the, out of the overflow of the, the heart, the mouth speaks. So basically what's inside of us will come out, right? And so that's why it's talking about if a man's able to control his tongue, he's a perfect man because, uh, because that person is a disciplined person, right? And you got to discipline the inner man before the outer man's disciplined, right? And so if, if we are concentrated and focusing on discipline, Paul says, I buffet my body and make it my slave. When he said, I buffet my body, he wasn't talking about his physical body, right? He was talking about his spirit man, right? So when we, when we tame our spirits, when we tame those thoughts, those inclinations, because again, the mouth speaks what's in the heart. And so the problem is not what my mouth is saying. The problem is what my heart is thinking, so if I get discipline over my heart and if I give my heart over to Jesus and let him change my heart by washing it and renewing it through the word of God, then, then my mouth is going to change too, right? If I start thinking the way that Jesus thinks, if I, if I allow the mind of Christ to soak into me and to become a part of me, and that's why we meditate on the word. Again, we don't meditate on the word as a religious practice. We don't meditate on the word so that we can, I, I know 15 scriptures, you only know 10, you know, and stuff. And we, we can outdo each other. Or we don't meditate on the word so we can blast people with it, right? Well, John 5, 26 says this, you know, and stuff like that. And so we get into these debates and we try to see who knows more knowledge than, than the other person. It's not about that at all. The word of God is for us personally, for us to change ourselves, Right? And when we read it and when we meditate it and when we study it, the Holy Spirit begins to apply it in us. And the Holy Spirit, that's how the Holy Spirit works within us, right? See, the thing is, 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 is no amount, and I'm not going to say no amount, but worship has its place. Uh, all these things have their place, but it's the study of the Word of God that truly changes us. Worship's great, but some people are all about worship. They'll like they'll go to a different worship thing every night of the week and stuff. And worship is great in that what it does is great that we worship the Lord. It's great that our hearts are open to Him. But He wants more than us opening our hearts to Him in that kind of way where we're worshiping Him and praising Him. He wants to transform our hearts, right? He wants to take us from the the lump of coal and take us through the process to where we're that diamond right and that takes work and it takes time and it takes it takes forces rubbing against us and rubbing us raw and iron sharpening and iron and cutting off things that we don't want cut off and dealing with things that we don't want dealt with and opening ourselves up to him to allow him to do that that's why so many people we've known people who can who can worship and, and cry and be on their knees and weeping and stuff like that and then leave there and go sleep with somebody okay. right mm -hmm. and it's easy to do it's easy, and, and, and the thing is, is a lot of the church thinks that worship is the solution, and, and we sing songs like, you know, well, Satan has no place while I'm worshiping God and stuff. It's true if it's coming from a heart that is, it is on the altar before the Lord, so a heart that's truly broken, a heart that's truly turning towards Him, but we can sing the songs, and we can cry the tears, and our heart be nowhere near closer to, to, to God. Well, in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah somewhere, it talks about how they were singing songs to the Lord, and their hearts were far from Him. I think mm -hmm. there's a passage in yeah. the Old Testament about that. Yeah, and, and that's the whole thing. And it's like, okay, worship is good. Um, you know, hearing all messages, even hearing messages from other preachers, that's all good and well, but nothing will substitute a long time in the Word of God with the Holy Spirit and opening up and praying, Holy Spirit, come and teach me. Come and change me from the inside. And that's what the Bible means when it says you don't have in need of anyone to teach you. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. And that doesn't mean that we don't go and listen to messages or go to church and listen to sermons and stuff like that. But it's saying that all of that is secondary, right? And how many Christians do we know that never open the book when they get home? 
or the book stays on their shelf or it stays in their car or whatever and it they we you know we never open it it's like the lord wants a long time with us personally and privately everything else is extraneous right and it's all good i'm not saying it's not good but the first and most important thing is is god wants to teach us through his word and again that's why we get so many falsehoods and so many spurious things in the church because we go by what feels right we go by our emotions How, oh man this makes me clap this makes me dance this makes me feel with joy it, you know and stuff and again sometimes when the lord's dealing with our hearts we're not filled with clapping and, and dancing at that moment there's a lot of times we're like oh my gosh right and stuff and those times are just as important right mm -hmm. maybe more so because it's actually out of those times that the joy comes you know it says there may be sorrow for the night but joy comes in the morning mm, and many of us don't want that nighttime experience mm. we don't want that time of trudging through the hard and breaking up our fallow ground taking out the plows and busting it open and all of that is spending time in the word of god right mm -hmm. with an attitude of prayer with an attitude of openness lord come and teach me Amen. Now, um, in verse 9, uh, it says, uh, With our tongues we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. And uh, um, in Matthew 12, verse 33, it says, On the day of judgment, we're going to give an account for every careless word that we speak. I don't know about you guys, but that scares me it freaks me out sometimes because i think about some of the careless things i say and it's like you know what this is not something that you just you know you 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 just you speak and then because that's what we do right we say these things and we hurt each other and we do things and we say things that we ought not say and like you know after a week we've forgotten about it the lord don't forget about these things right and I'm not saying this in a judgmental way or whatever, but I'm saying we have to think about what we say. We have to think about how, how we treat each other and how we speak to each other and the words that we use and stuff like that. And it's very important. Now, I want to talk a little bit about cursing because in the Bible, there are two types of cursing, right? Turn to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures tonight, so... In Genesis chapter 4, we're going to look at an example of God cursing someone. Genesis chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 9. Now this is after Cain kills his brother Abel. And in verse 9, it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? There are so many places in the Bible where God does this, right? Remember in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and God says, Adam, where are you? It's so funny, or it's not funny, but it's so interesting to me when God does that. It's like, have you ever had someone ask you a question when they knew the answer? Like when I was a teenager, I, I've told stories like this before, but when I was a teenager, see, my dad had two or three cars and stuff, and he would always leave his keys sitting around. So every once in a while, we'd take one and go for a joyride and stuff. And uh, like one day, my dad's like asking me, so how, what have you been up to this afternoon? Oh, nothing, just kind of hanging out. And he keeps asking me questions. And after a while, I'm starting to get suspicious. Like, why are you asking me all this? He's like, well, uh, I just want you to know, I wrote down the odometer reading of the car before I left this morning. <laughs> and so just that thought of, and that's what God does with us a lot of times. He's like, what have you been up to? And you're like, oh, nothing, you know? And it's so funny because every time he asks that, he knows, right? He already knows what we've been up to and stuff. And the thing is, is sometimes I think that he's doing that to get into your heart, to make you feel that pain. It's like to feel that, oh, he knows, right? Because again, we'll get away with whatever we can for as long as we can get away until someone puts their finger in our heart and says, you know what? You've been up to this, right? And so it's just amazing to me when God does that. Verse 9 again, the Lord said to Cain, Where's your where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I mean, just think of that attitude. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's like a teenager. What? Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he's at. Right? Like he said, 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. But and the thing is, is, is we don't think that we do, but really in our hearts we do. Right. Sometimes we're convicted of things, and we, it, you know, that's it's the same attitude. It's like I don't know. You know, why are you asking me? Right. And God's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Look at this. He says, now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground, and, your, and from your face I will be hidden, and I will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Look at the grace even in this. The Lord said to him, therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold, and the Lord appointed a sign for Cain so that no one finding him would kill him. So even in Cain's punishment, even in God judging and cursing Cain, he still provides blessing in that, right? And again, the world says God is this angry God that just wants to destroy you and just take away all your fun and stuff. Even in the midst of cursing Cain, God still leaves a little blessing in that. So now the question is, is what would have happened if Cain repented, right? We'll never know. But the thing is, is God is merciful and God is open and his heart's desire is for man to repent. I kind of think that might be sometimes why he does ask the questions. It's almost like he's yeah. giving the He's giving you a chance to come clean. To come clean and right. say, you know, I, I did this, I was wrong, it was bad, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, but like, he's, it's like he's giving that opportunity and then he didn't take it. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's awesome. But so here's a biblical example of God cursing someone. Now, when we think about cursing, we think about witches and warlocks and casting a spell on you and you're cursed and you just start shriveling up and start dying and stuff. Dirty words. Yeah, well, that's another thing. And we're going to talk about that also. But the whole thing is, is biblical cursing is not like that. Let's look at a, a, an example of a human cursing another one. Turn to um, 2 Samuel verse 16. In 2 Samuel 16, um, David had a son. Now, the Bible talks about how David never disciplined his sons. And uh, this has nothing to do with the message or whatever, but this is the reason, this is another reason why we don't believe in polygamy and stuff. David had hundreds of wives and hundreds of kids and stuff. You cannot discipline a child that way. You cannot pre properly raise children that way, right? Mm -mm. And so that's God's idea from the beginning was one man, one wife, you know, and they raise their kids and stuff. But anyway, that's beside the point. And second 60, so anyway, so David had, had these sons. One of them's name was Absalom, okay? One day Absalom decides that he's going to be king and that he's going he's gonna to kill his father and he's going to become the king, Right? And so basically they, they take over the, the, the castle and David has to run for his life. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Are y'all are y'all there? In Second Samuel 16? Mm -hmm. So verse 5. So this is that so David's got his entourage and they're leaving the city, right? And it says, When King David came to Behurim, behold, there came out from there a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei the son of Gera, and he came out cursing continually as he came. Look at this. He threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were at his right hand and at his left, which is crazy because they could have easily have just killed this guy. And so it says, Thus Shimei said when he cursed, Get out, you get, he said, Get out, you man of bloodshed, you worthless man. The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. And behold, you are taken in your own evil, for you are a man of bloodshed. Now again, here's something in this that, again, has nothing to do with the message. But who gave David the kingdom? God did, right? And who, why? Because of Saul's disobedience, right? And so this man is saying, you stole it from Saul, and so God is judging you from that. 
So again, this is a perfect picture that sometimes when you're doing what the Lord has called you to do and you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do and you're exactly where you're supposed to be, people will curse you, right? Mm -hmm. So don't listen to people's curses, right? Because there will always be those who are against you and think that they're right when they have no idea. And the Bible said Jesus told his disciples, there's going to come a day when they will persecute you thinking that they're doing God a favor. Right? It says, uh, then, uh, it says uh, then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over now and cut off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, sons of Zariah? If he curses, and if the Lord has told him, curse David, then who will say, What have you done? Then David said to Abishai and all his servants, Behold, my, my son who came, who came out from me seeks my life. How much more now this Benjamite? Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him. Perhaps the Lord will look on my affliction and return good to me instead of his cursing this day. And so, just those, or verse 13. It says, So David and his men went on the way, and Shimei went along on the hillside parallel with him, and as he went, he cursed and cast stones and threw dust at him. Look at another place in... Um, so can you elaborate on that a little bit more, though, before we move on? In what sense? Like, what, exactly what was happening, because I'm confused. Well, I told you, like... Like um, Absalom's trying to take the throne away, and David's leaving, and this man's cursing him on the way. I'm sorry. Okay. But I'm just I'm looking at a a biblical example of of men cursing men. So when the Bible talks about cursing, mainly it's talking about. Well, we'll get into it a little bit more. Uh, look at Psalm 64, verse um, verse one. He says, Oh God, you are my God. I will seek you earnestly. Oh wait, I'm in 63. 64, verse 1. Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of evildoers, from the torment of those who do iniquity. Look at this. Who have sharpened their tongue like a sword. They aimed bitter speech as their arrow to shoot from concealment to the at the blameless. Suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. They hold fast to themselves an evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, and they say, who can see them? They devise injustices, saying, we are ready with a, with a well-conceived plot, for the inward thought and the heart of a man are deep. So, again, he's, he's talking about how these people's curses and the words that they're speaking are like arrows and swords. And, and we've all experienced that, how when someone's speaking against you, it's, it's like being attacked. And look at this other place in... Uh, 2 Samuel 24. Because I have been in this same place. In, and in 2 Samuel 24, David, God always told them, whenever you have a king, do not number the people of Israel. Don't number them. And the reason why is because it's the same reason why... Um, Essentially, we shouldn't number the people at church, right? Because it gives, you, it gives you this idea of, oh, well, look how good I'm doing, right? And look at me. Look at all these people coming because, you know, or whatever and stuff. And the thing is, is the Lord always wanted to, them to rely on His strength, not their own. And so the whole point of it is, is it's not the size of your army. It's not the amount of chariots you have. It's not the amount of horses that you have. What's going to give you victory is me. Right? And so he tells them, do not number the people because you're putting your hope, you're putting your faith in the wrong thing. Anyway, David sinned and he numbered the people and God was coming to him for judgment. Okay? So in verse um, 10, look what he says. This is after the Lord uh, convicts him and the Lord speaks to him and says that you've sinned against me. And says, verse 10, now David's heart troubled him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. When David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and speak to David. Thus says the Lord, saying, I am offering you three things. Choose for yourself one of them, which I will do to you. And again, this is... Yeah. 
you know, parents do that. You want, uh, what kind of punishment you want? I, I don't know <laughs> if your parents ever did that. It's like, but when your parents go, well, how do you think I should punish you? You know, you're like, it's a trap, right? Because yeah. if you say, oh, you should let me slide, you know you're really going to get it then, right? Mm -hmm. So in, uh, it says, so Gad said to him and told him, and he said, shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or will there be three days of pestilence in your land? Now consider and see what answer I will return to him who sent me. Now imagine David's burden of having to deal with this. Because he knows that not only is he going to get punished, but his people are also going to pay a price for his sin. Look at this in verse 14. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let, us, let me now fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. Look at this. But do not let me fall into the hands of man. What is he saying? He's saying that God is more merciful than men are. Right? And I, I have been that same way sometimes. Lord, don't let me fall. And even as Christians, as believers in Christ, sometimes like... And there, there's a vast difference between living in sin or living with a sin and not trying to do anything about it and stumbling, right? And we, we know that as believers, as brothers and sisters, when one of us stumbles, we should be there to lift them up. But instead of lifting them up, sometimes we kick them while they're down, right? You know, instead of helping that brother, instead of lifting that brother up, we kick them while they're down and we're like, what you should have done, you know, or what I would have done. You know, and stuff, instead of praying for them, instead of lifting them up and helping them. Now, again, like I said, there's a whole vast difference. And the Bible says that we're not even to associate with a brother who is walking in unrepentant sin, right? But for someone who stumbles, it says we are to lift them up and we are to bear and carry each other's burdens, right? And so that's just, we as believers can just rip each other up with our words and we talk to each other about, you know, how brother so-and-so stumbled and stuff like that. Again, we need to be careful with our words, right? So these are all, again, examples of, of cursing and stuff. Uh, <clears throat> turn to Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at some more verses on cursing. Luke 6, verse 43. He says, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, for there's no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. Now, here's the thing. As believers, we are, we are growing more and more again into the image of God, right? Mm -hmm. And the Lord understands, you know, obviously someone that's been a Christian for 10 years should be a lot more mature than someone that's been a Christian for 10 months, right? Someone that's been a Christian for 20 years should be more mature than someone that's been a Christian for 20 months, right? It should be a progression, and it should be a continual thing. And that's where I think that New Age has it over the church. Because New Age, and like yoga and mysticism and all this stuff, they are striving for perfection, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so we as believers, we should be striving not in a religious sense, not trying to be this outward perfect Pharisee or whatever, but we're striving to be made more and more into the image of God. And the thing is, as New Agers realize it, is this is an ongoing thing. This will continue for the rest of my life, me getting more and more perfect. And the Bible says that we, as believers, are to grow from glory to glory and stuff. And so there should be a progression in our lives where we're becoming more and more like Jesus and stuff. So he says, uh, each tree is known by its fruit, uh, for men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from the briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is evil, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. Listen to this. For his mouth speaks that which fills his heart. So again, what the words that we speak are indicators of what's in our heart. And so when, when we speak those words... Those are opportunities to see, Lord, I still got places in me that need to be cleansed. I got places in me that need to be delivered. I got places in me that need to be discipled and put under the yoke of Christ, right? Uh, turn to another place. Uh, Colossians 4. Colossians 4. 
Colossians 4, verse 5. Paul says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Look at this. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to respond to each person. So again, Jesus said, if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? You know, it's only worth being cast out and being trampled on and stuff. And when we use the wrong speech with somebody, what good is that? Right? It just needs to be thrown out and trampled on. Right? But when we're blessing each other, when we're speaking the things that edify one another, when we're building each other up in the Lord, then those things are awesome. Right? Um, turn to another place in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 29. He says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will grave grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now look at what he's saying. He's talking about what you're saying, right? The words that you're saying. He says, let them be for edification. Now, my point being here that I'm trying to get to, kind of laboriously, is that <clears throat> when we talk about cursing in the church, most of the times we're talking about cursing, we're talking about like cussing. Right, and there, and the thing is, is the church is so almost, in a lot of ways, fixated on the words that you speak out of your mouth, right? And they're like, if you say a cuss word, it's like, oh, oh my gosh, that's like, ooh, that's like really bad and stuff. But yet, we can still talk trash about somebody, or we can still gossip about somebody, right? And that's okay. He says, um. Um, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Do you see that? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And again, every time we talk about these scriptures in church, most of the times we talk about it is talking about cussing, right? That is the focus. That is the context. Um, like I remember before I was a Christian, when I was in the Marine Corps, we were we were at a park in San Diego. And these guys invited us to play football with them, right? These guys were at the park playing football and stuff. And we were sailors, and we spoke like sailors, right, mm -hmm. and stuff. And so, like, whenever we'd score or something, we'd, ah, you know, and use the wrong words and stuff. And, you know, we, we had no idea they were Christians. But, but at one point, one of the guys comes to us and says, look, it, you know, we're going to have to ask you guys to stop playing with us and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we're like, what? We were shocked, right? And it's like, we can't deal with your language and stuff. And so they made us stop playing with us. Now, and also there's another time when I knew this one girl who got a job at Sam's. And this was when Sam's first became a thing. And she worked there maybe a month. And then, and then she quit. And I'm like, well, why did you quit? And she's like, well, these guys are always cussing and I can't be around all that and stuff. And here's the thing, you know, the Bible, again, we focus and we fixate on the words that we're speaking. And I'm not saying that we need to go out and cuss and be, you know, potty mouths and stuff like that. But what if those guys, instead of saying stuff like that, what if they would have started telling us about Jesus? Right? And it's like, but it's like, we can't be around these words, so you guys have to go away. Instead of speaking words that would edify us and build us up and lead us to Jesus. Right. And, and the, the thing is, is we make those separations and we cut them off because they're speaking these words. And yet we'll watch a movie and we don't have a problem with it. Right. Um, I also have like, what is, is like, what is the line between when someone is venting mm -hmm. and someone's gossiping? I know um, they say it's gossiping is against somebody's character. But isn't venting like also complaining? 
Yeah, you know, that's a tough one because I do believe that sometimes we do need to let off a little steam. But I think that even when we're doing it, we have to be careful. Uh, and we have to... Um, names don't have to be said. Names don't have to be are. said. Names very rarely ever have to be said, yeah. if at all. Uh, you know, and, and the thing is, is there's a proper way to do it. It's, it's just like, you know, it's like... You can listen to someone whine and whine and whine and stuff. And, you know, at first you're like, okay, yeah, I get that. I get that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you try to help them out and stuff. But there comes a point where it's like, okay, that's enough, right? Mm -hmm. You've said your thing. You've gotten it off your chest. Now you need to deal with it. And that's the whole thing is like sometimes we don't, we don't put a stop to things. We just let people whine and whine and whine and people become whiners. And the thing is, is honestly, that's why I think that a lot of psychology doesn't work. Because a lot of times psychology is I just go to this person every week and I complain and I whine, right? You know, if someone's not leading you, if someone's not telling you, okay, here's what you need to do then then it's a waste of time really right and and so that's the thing uh, it, as if someone's venting to you or if someone's complaining again you're searching for that place where you can lead them to edification where you can bring them to the place where okay yeah that's i understand your deal i, I see your problem but what are you going to do about it right and you put the ball back in their court and it's like, okay, yeah. And even if it's an unfair situation or if it's a bad thing, okay, I understand that. I got you and stuff like that. What's the Bible say about it? Right? You know? And so it's all about pointing them back to Jesus. Well, it's good to remember also the order that the Bible says, especially amongst Christians, to deal with things. Right. It's like, okay, you're telling me this, but have you gone to them? What did Or what did they say when you told them that? Okay. Or did you tell them that? Yeah. So you're you're just remembering, okay, what's the step that they should have taken? Because if they're coming to you, your second person, this is your second person. Right. This is second degree. How many people are they coming to? They're coming to you with it. So you're they're in the wrong if they have not dealt with it with the person that they have a problem with. Yeah. So you you just remember that and point them back. Um, and then if it's too big for you, then you take another one. You know, if it's a real issue. Yeah, especially in the church, you know, because that's the way we're supposed to deal with each other as brothers and sisters and stuff. And, and too many people think that's the preacher's job. The preacher doesn't have time to deal with all the petty no. nonsense that yeah. goes on. And especially among women, we tend to be the jabbers, and mm -hmm. you get a lot of a lot of gossip in the form of pray for this, pray for that, and that's gossip, gossip, gossip. Yeah. So hmm. you just have to remember. Have you dealt with it? What did they say? Right. Do you need help, <laughs> you know, addressing it with them? I know that when I've been the maddest at people where I actually lashed out in some way or another, almost always that time I was completely wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's like other times I'll be right and I'll, I'll hold my peace or whatever, but, you know, and I'll, I'll be like, oh, I did so good that time. But then the times that I just, oh, it's like so furious with the person I just I completely didn't understand where they were coming from the situation or they were completely right and I misjudged it oh why is it <laughs> why would I say something in my life <laughs> so it's it's important because the, those are the times that I was the most sure that I was right yeah. you know and I was absolutely positive that I was right and I wasn't another yeah. thing that's good to do um is to Especially if they brought, well, even if they didn't bring up a name, but even if they did mention a name, is to, like, I, I had the opportunity to do this recently, and I just said, okay, but remember the other character qualities of this person. You're forgetting yeah. these good qualities right now. You're, you know, well, then, then they're like, well, I'm not saying that. I said, but, but, they're, but you just have to not allow uh, resentment to get in your heart because it's very easy to see, oh, they just offended me and hurt me. And then you start allowing resentment to build. And mm -hmm. part of when you're, you're, you're venting, sometimes you're building that resentment. So you have to be careful about venting too because venting can build more resentment for the person because you're hearing your own words and, yes. you know, whatever. But it, sometimes as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can say, okay, but have you thought about this character quality of that person? I mean, even Christy has done that with me with 
I've, I think I vented about a preacher once and, uh, you know, a famous preacher. And she said, well, have you thought about this? And so the good qualities in that person or this may be why they did that or whatever. And so sometimes our job is to help each other see the other perspective, which is what a really good counselor actually does. And so a good counselor does is understanding and lets you vent, but also says, well, let's look at it maybe from a different perspective or how could we maybe fix the situation? So that's 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 a good thing to do too. So yeah. I think it's like, what's the goal? Like in general, like is like you know, because the enemy wants to tear us apart and tear us away from people and right. things like that. And right. and God wants us to be unified and brought together and love. And and this is where again, you know, it's it's from the inside out. This is where, you know, a person can allow the Holy Spirit to deal with that anger and to deal with that unforgiveness and to deal with that bitterness and that clamor and that, you know, all that and stuff. It's like, this is an opportunity. Are you going to, are you going to give in to that or are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to come in right now and deal with your heart? Because again, the thing is, is we are not responsible for what people do to us, but we are responsible for our response, right? So... Anyway, back to the cursing thing, because I, again, I think that this is a very big religious thing in the church, is that we're so focused on words and stuff, and you know, um, the thing is, is it's like if, if you're hammering a nail in a wall and you hit your thumb, you go, dang, what's the difference between that or a different word, right? Or if you yell at your dog, your dog don't speak English. Your dog, don't, your dog only knows that you're mad at it or that you're praising it, right? And so, you know what I'm saying? And, and again, I'm not saying... Now, I am very careful about how I speak, yes, right? Sir. And, I, I, yes, you know, and Amy will tell you, I'm very careful with careful how I speak. I and and I, I Especially when I'm around non-believers and stuff because we're a witness. Yeah. And again, we have to tame our tongues. And so, so where, whereas I, I'm not, I don't think that we, it's again like smoking, you know, so many people are against, so many Christians are against smoking and it's defiling the temple and stuff like that. And yet they wait, you know, they're, a gallon of ice yeah, every night, you know, or something. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, or they got a gossip problem, right? And so, which is worse, right? And stuff, but we, 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 what we do is we, we get these sacred cows and we make this the evil and we have to come against this and stuff like that. And, and you know, it's like we've had people in this house who, who we're talking to about the Lord and these people are raw and they're saying what they say and they're saying it in the way that they say it. And it's like, you just do, you be you. Right? <laughs> there was this new Christian one time that that uh, was brand new baby Christian and we were in a Bible study. It was so cute because he was just, he was like, and he was like using the F word and, and, and everything. Saying? And like he, and he was like excited about God and he was, but he was excited and using the F he word, so, you know, he's uh, like, man, God's been so effing good to me. And, <laughs> you know, and like all this stuff, like it was so funny. And it was just like, you know, there were certain people in the room that were just like crawling under their seats and stuff. I just thought, man, he's just being raw. He's just being real. He's just, he's in love with Jesus. I mean, like, but there it's were like, people... and the thing is, is how are you going to quench that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, let that flow. And it's like, okay, we'll, we'll deal with that, you know, and stuff. Yeah. And we'll, you know, we'll disciple them and we'll, we'll try to, you know, teach them and stuff. But that excitement for God yeah. cannot be matched. Thing. Yeah. And there, yeah. Were, there was people right? that, that were there that just made such a huge deal out of it instead of seeing how excited he was for Jesus you know and it's mm -hmm. like dude like I wish I had that zeal you know mm -hmm. like uh, <laughs> yeah. well, you, see, you see the way yeah. God, and, and like it's it, with, the heart. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and people that God calls in the Bible especially when there's and that's like such a small thing too but even though you're right we, we you know can make it such a bigger thing yeah but uh you know in the bible there are even bigger things when god calls people and then they they do stupid things yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. but like maybe they're less stupid than they were before but they're yeah. still right. acting and right. You know, right and that's the growing process yeah. and, right. and stuff and yeah so it's just like like you said jesus sees our heart and that's the thing it is again a heart issue if i hit my thumb with a hammer and i say dang it's no different 
right? It's the same exact attitude. It's the same exact mindset. It's the same exact emotions. Now, again, I, I'm not advocating anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, that's not the end all be all, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so the point being, oh, is that, the point, the point being, bringing us back is that biblical, when it's talking about cursing and it's talking about the words from our mouths, it's not talking about cuss words per se, right? It's talking about building each other up, speaking things that bless each other, and 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 talking about the things of God, right? That's what it's talking about. And again, we, we make it all about cuss words, and it's not about that at all. You know, Jesus was friends of sinners. I'm certain that those sinners didn't stop being sinners completely. <laughs> right, you know? So, okay. So, um, now again, we talked about death and life or in the power of the tongue, right? You know, I... You hear that so often and stuff, and the thing is, especially this time of, this time of year when people are getting sick and, and things like that, and, and like, I have to say this because I hear it so often and it drives me crazy. But anytime someone says, man, I feel like I'm getting a cold or I feel like, getting, like I'm getting sick, and someone says, oh, don't say that, don't say that, right? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Like, like you know, because you say this, th that I'm going to get sick or whatever. And people actually believe this. People actually teach this. And this is from the same exact stream as the name it and claim it. Yeah. Right? You know, God's good. I claim this house in the name of Jesus. Well, you claim it till you're blue in the face. Doesn't mean that you're going to get it. <laughs> right? And the thing is, is, is the, the thing that scares me about that is that that's what cults do. Yeah, that's what New Age does. That's what witchcraft does. That's when all these cults, when it, and even Catholicism, when they're doing the Hail Mary, Mother, and you, you know, you sin, so the, the priest tells you you got to go say 50 Hail Marys in your Hail Mary. Mary, Mary, Mary. You, what, what is happening? Nothing is happening, right? There is no benefit. That, uh, the Bible says, the, uh, Jesus said, when you pray, stay away from... Um, Repetition, repetition, vain repetitions vain repetition. and stuff, yeah. right? And the thing is, is uh, uh, witchcraft and cults, they, they teach you to empty your mind, right? And just begin to speak things and stuff. And we even tell people stuff like that when, when we're trying to get them to speak in tongues and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. The Bible nowhere tells us to empty our minds. The Bible nowhere ever tells us not to think. And there's so many people, you know, when it comes to the things of God, don't think about it too much. Just let the Holy Spirit come in. That's opening yourself up to wrong spirits, right? And so, you know, and, and that's the thing, again, like, because it happens so many times. And, like, you'll, you'll be like, man, I feel like I'm getting sick. And people are like, oh, don't say that. Don't say that. Right? And it's like, it's like, are you serious? Come on, man. It's like you can say the sun's not going to rise a million times. You can say it all you want to say it. That doesn't mean that the sun's not going to rise tomorrow. Why? Because God is still in control. Right? I say it because I don't want to get sick and I'm around kids all the time. Well, I, I mean... Well, not like claiming it, but it'll be like somebody like out... It'll be like, oh, you're... Like, I'm thinking about to get sick and like... I work for children. I have to, I have to work. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean... You know, it's, it's okay to not want to get sick, but again, it's not like we have this power in our tongues. Now, there is a power behind the Word of God, okay? The power, and, and it is also in the thought, you know, God spoke the world into existence, right? But behind those words, there was will and there was intention. It wasn't just as, oh, let there be light. It's like he thought and he planned and he knew what he wanted. And when he spoke, it was through his will. It was through his intentions. Right. So when we speak, we speak our will. If I say, like, I feel like I'm getting sick, I'm not bringing a curse on myself. Yeah, right? I'm not bringing sickness. Right. Because I am not willing for that to happen. <laughs> right? And see, even when Jesus said, whatever you say, if you speak to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. He wasn't saying... Uh, that, you know, we just say these things and it just happens and stuff. Yeah, now, and that, that came exact, that came right after he cursed the fig tree and they came back later and the fig tree was withered up and stuff. And he was trying to teach his disciples that if you believe it, 
if you want for it to happen, if you see something that needs to be done and it's the will of God and you speak it, then things happen, right? And so this whole thing about... Honest. Me too. But this this whole thing about people saying that it is it was one hundred percent from the stream of name it and claim it, mm-hmm. and the words of your mouth being power. The words of your mouth have no power at all unless the Holy Spirit energizes them. Turn to uh, Acts chapter three. And he only energizes what is the will it, of the Father. And, and, and the thing is, is it, it's, I, there are people in the circles that we run with who say this stuff. Yeah. Like and there'll, be, there'll be someone like really tormented. Like, I just want to speak peace over your life right now, whatever. And it's like, well, I mean, they might feel good for like five minutes, but as soon as they leave, they're going to be back yeah. in torment. You know? And especially if you're <laughs> so, in a bad situation because you right? brought it on yourself. Exactly you know, you right. could, I mean, you know, I used to, you know, I was brought up in church, and, and when I was in school, I did not study, and I did not do my homework. And But when report cards came out, I would be praying, God, Lord, save me from this. Don't let me, you know, and stuff. And, like, no, it didn't yeah. work. <laughs> you know? So, in Acts chapter 3, verse 11. Now, this is when Peter and John, right after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and they go into uh, uh, the temple, and there's the, blind, there's the beggar the, that's lame, and they heal him. And in verse 11, it says, While he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of ma- amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this, or why do you gaze at us as, by, as if by our own power or power? we made this man walk. Amen. Right? Um, turn to another place. 2 Corinthians 12. Second Corinthians 12. Again, this is Paul's thorn in the flesh in verse 7. He says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said, now, number one, Paul's not saying, look, there was this thorn, but it wasn't really there. Right? I have this alternate reality that, you know, doesn't exist and stuff. You know, it's like this whole matrix things where it's like, and it's, that's, that's straight up Buddhism too. This whole thing where there's, there's this separate reality. And you know what? I, I was kind of getting into some of that before I became a Christian and stuff. But it's like, I can't live like this. I can't live with, you know, this, is this really the reality or is there another reality that you don't know about and stuff and this is all a fake and, and who can live like that, right? And it's the whole matrix thing like, don't believe that you can bend the spoon with your mind. Believe that the spoon's already bent and that you'll see that it's your mind that needs to bend. It's like, come on, man. And, the way, and it's and the, the way, same type of thing. And the way, it really is. It's is, like this, then, this false reality. If I speak it, it's going to happen. Oh, oh, don't step on a crack you'll break your mother's back <laughs> right it's not only that but it's like we as christians fall into this uh trap sometimes of saying well you know god healed you it just hasn't manifested yet no if god healed you it would be manifested and so it's it's trying to live in the again in the alternate realities like no when god heals it's manifested and you can see it right. and everybody knows it and it's it's witnessed by those who are around so if you're not, if you haven't been healed, it's not because it hasn't manifested. It's because you're not healed yet. So and, and the thing like, is, is we are called to live in the reality that we're in. We got nothing else. Mm-hmm. My experiences make me who I am, not some ethereal thing that's you know somewhere out there. It's like these things that happen to me. My car breaking down, my boss yelling at me, my wife mad at me, and stuff. <laughs> these are all. What shaped me? These, this is the world that I live in, and this is where I need Jesus to step into now, right? This is where Jesus says, if you're sick, go to the elders and have them pray for you. He didn't say, just say, oh, I, I, I refuse this in the name of Jesus. What do people mean when they see, like, seeing something in the Spirit? Uh, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing, but... 
But yeah, so the, again, the thing is, is in, and again, like Mary Baker Eddy, the Christian scientist lady, she, she believed with all of her heart that she would not die, and yet she's dead. Same so thing. My sister's friend in Alaska just this past week, he, was, he had cancer, he was believing, like speaking life, speaking healing. Right. I speak healing, I speak life, yeah. I speak... He died. He told me And the thing is, is, is we want to believe yeah. the yeah. best. We, we want to even speak. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong, wrong with that, but right. I'm saying that if there is a power, it's not from what I say, it's from what mm -hmm. God. Well, it's yeah. like yeah. when Red Chat, Meshach, yeah. and Abednego said, you know, God will, like, they believed that God would save them. Right. Even, but even if he doesn't, we're not. Yeah. It, and, and the thing is, 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 it's not this blind thing where, like, no, God says, I'm not going to die. You know, it's God's will sometimes that people do die. Yeah. Right? Right. But at the same time, which is, I think this is really important to, to, to say, is sometimes God may, may reveal, for example, may, and some people are deceived or whatever, I know that, but sometimes it obviously is God's will to heal somebody. And if God really reveals to your heart that God is going to heal me of cancer, for example, and God right. reveals that, then you have to stand on that and believe that, and you do have to speak life into that. And so there's that balance. But also, right. there's also this, the, it's, it's knowing the will of God, and I like what you said about that, because, for example, if you, we know it's the will of God for us to overcome sin. Okay, so let's, let's say you have a lust problem. And if you're going around speaking all the time, I'll never overcome this lust. I'll never overcome right. this lust. That, that is not speaking life. And right. that is speaking death on your situation. Because we already know the will of God is that we overcome sin. So we, since it. we know the will of God is to overcome this lust problem, we don't need to say out of our mouth, I'm never going to overcome this. I'm never going to overcome this. Because there is power in what we say, especially when it's disagreeing with God's will. Right. So when we know what the Lord's will is, it is important for us to speak that out, whether it's we know God's going to heal us or we know that we're going to overcome this sin or whatever. It is important to be speaking that out and not get overly negative or whatever. Well, and and it is an act of faith and by the same token. If you don't know God has said you're going to die of cancer. I personally don't think there's anything wrong with saying, I, I, I will live or I want to live in Jesus' name, you know, to, to, to try to just speak out some positive right. things because maybe God will heal you or maybe God does want to heal you, you know. So there's, there's balance and all well, this. And, that and again, also... it's the same thing where Paul prayed for God to remove the thorn until God told him right. and said, look, my grace is sufficient for you. Right. Right? right. And so definitely, if, if you're dealing with something, pray until you do know one way or the other. Right. But again, how do we know? By studying the and Word. And being in prayer. By knowing, yeah. the, we know the will of God for, for a majority of things. By knowing, by reading His Word. If 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 we are dealing with that sin, we know His Word says that He's given us power to overcome, right. and that He will give us power. And that's where we do quote the Scripture, and that's where that's the words that we speak. Right. We're speaking His words because, in the same way that He created the world and a cosmos and everything in it by His words, when we're speaking His words, we're getting power there too, right? right. And so again, it's not through our power, but it's through His power. Right. In Matthew five, it says. Uh, Jesus says, you can't even make one of your hairs white, right? And stuff. And so the power is not ours. The power is his. And, and so um, turn to Romans 10. Bless you. Bless you. And here's what kind of ties it together. Romans 10 verse 9. It says, um, let's start in verse 6. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. So again, it's not just confessing it without nothing to base it on. We're basing it on His Word. We're basing it on the Word of God. And it's not just this blind confession. It's not just this saying a bunch of words. But we're confessing it because we believe it. Mm -hmm. Right? And so there is the will and there is the intention behind that. Yeah. It's I am lining, and that's the whole thing. We are aligning our will with God's will. 
And so when I am speaking, I am aligning myself with what he's saying. And so it's, again, it's not me saying it, it's him saying it. And it's just going through my mouth. And that's why when I hear it, that's why the word of faith, um, you know, faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the word. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why it is so important to when we're in a particular situation to speak the word of God concerning that situation. If I'm dealing with lust, I find I find scriptures that deal with lust and I speak those words. You know, if I if I'm dealing with water and there are some generic scriptures, God has given me everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true nature of his son. And so when, and, and I mean, there's just been some, some things lately that I've just been praying about and I've just been going over and over and stuff. Um, um, I can't even think of the scripture, that, but I'm talking about like, sometimes you'll get a scripture and you'll just keep saying it and saying it. But even when I'm saying it, I'm not saying it as a Hail Mary. I'm not saying it as just this blah, 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 blah. I'm listening to the words that I'm saying. And I'm, and sometimes I'm putting a different, you know, I'm putting the emphasis on a different word. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. Faith comes from hearing, right? And so you can put different emphases on the words, on different words and stuff, but you can repeat that stuff and you're listening to it and you're doing it with will and with intention. And you're doing it, but to let that soak into your heart like a rain that comes on a dry ground and it just soaks and it soaks and all of a sudden life begins to come out. It's like, you know, the binding of the scrolls or whatever. Like right. Kind of the, like the actual more idea Exactly. That. And, and that's the whole thing is he told them to bind these things on your forehead and Jews even today wear this box on their forehead. And it doesn't matter if it's on your forehead because it's not getting to your heart. Mm-hmm. The longest distance in the world is to 12 inches from your head to your heart. Right. And so it's, it's not doing any good as a closed box. It has to be opened and you have to begin to speak those words and you have to listen to those words. And, and that's the thing, like, like sometimes when, when you read a scripture, it's like it's, like it's dry. Right? And it's, it's empty and it just doesn't feel like there's any life. When you begin to speak those things and when you begin to listen to it and you begin to think about it and you begin to chew on it, then it begins to have life. And it begins to, to enter into your heart and things begin to happen from that. Alright? Yes? Real quick about confession. Like, uh, I've heard people say like they're really drill, dealing with sin and they want to say, man, I'm really struggling with this. And they're like, and I've heard other people go, well, don't, don't say that. Don't say it, you know. Say you're this. And I'm just reminded of the guy that Jesus said was more justified in heaven because right. he beat mm. his hands on his breast and yeah. said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. The Bible yeah. explicitly says, yeah. God, you know, like, confess your sins to one another yeah. so that you can be healed. Right, and, right. yeah, don't, don't cover them up and act like you're not what you are. Right, you know, like, right. which, so, which yeah. goes along the lines of people saying that strictly because we're born again, we're righteous. But in First John it says... Do not be deceived, brethren. The one, one who, who practices, practices righteousness is righteous. Right. So we're not just righteous because we're saved. We're righteous if we're practicing what we've learned. And that that's, goes along with the confession thing that you're talking about. It's like you might be struggling with sin, a particular sin, and you just go around saying, I'm righteous, I'm righteous, I'm righteous. But <laughs> we have to be overcoming well, what, and what's the proverb say? Uh, uh, those who conceal their son, sins will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes his sin. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. And again, that, that comes down to the venting thing. Because in a way, prayer is venting to God mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like, God, yes, there is this sin. There is this thing in my life. And then God says, yep, you're right. Now what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Right? And so, and that's where God throws it back into our our court, and He says, "Like, find some scriptures, meditate on those scriptures." And mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you guys how many times I've been struggling with things, and I can't overcome it. And I, I'm like, God, I can't do this and stuff. And then, like, I'll go to scriptures, and I'll just start speaking those scriptures. And again, I'm listening to what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not just reading words or anything like that. I'm speaking them, and I'm putting different inflections on them because I'm thinking about particular words. And what does that word mean? What is he saying? What is it trying to say at this point? What does it mean to me? How does this apply to my life? And when we do those things, again, that's when the word becomes powerful, and it begins to cut away, and it becomes that sharp two-edged sword. 
Uh, one more scripture in Ephesians 4, verse 20. He says, we'll start at 17. He says, so this I say in a form, firm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their hearts. And they having become callous have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have, you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. That is, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now, after saying all that, look what he says in 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are, we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sin go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Good. So. Amen. Amen.